Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before, before we start today's Alakot of Pesach, I'll comment on that. You know what you said, that you had a friend who was very religious. We always hear those qualifications, very orthodox. Two days ago, I was, uh, I was in Berman. I was in the school waiting for, for uh, to pick up Sophia. And... One of my, uh, my friends, Rabbi, uh, one of the rabbis passes by, we start talking, and, and another rabbi comes in, and he introduces him, me to him, and says, this is uh, our Sephardic rabbi, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, we, we all need the, the, the kulas of the Sephardim, especially for Pesach, meaning the lenient opinions of the Sephardim. Like every, every year before Pesach, there's, a, there's a, an activity online, you know, communication, all the Ashkenazim say, we wish we were Sephardim so we could eat kitniot and had a, you know, had a more... Uh, uh, <clears throat> and I tell them, you, you don't need any special action for that. Just decide that you want to do that and that's it. But what I answered those two rabbis, <coughs> I said this, we're not lenient. Don't say that you want to rely on the lenient opinion of the Sephardim. We are mahmir. We are very strict. The only thing is we're strict with enjoying... Uh, Pesach, that's our idea So I'm, I'm Hamil on that I want to enjoy my Pesach So I'm mm-hmm. looking for the ways to do it in the right way And not, and not suffer So that is the, uh, I mean, that's the core idea Whenever we say, you know, someone who's very, very, very religious Doesn't carry on Shabbat, for example, right? But the reason, oh, why don't you carry? You're lenient because you allow yourself To not feel comfortable on Shabbat You allow yourself that if you need a tissue You don't have it Then, then, then that's, not, that's not good You're not putting yourself <laughs> Disrespect to those Exactly. Right. So, example, now that you mentioned that from the Yemenite tradition, the, the Yemenite uh, practice was on Shabbat to reheat water. Right? In some places they do that. So, traditionally, uh, observant people like Sephardim and Ashkenazim, they uh, would not reheat. Food, they would reheat food on Shabbat, but soup, even soup is like, uh, you know, uh, borderline, even water. So the Yemenite go follow Maimonides, that says even water, as long as it was boiled before Shabbat, even if it's completely cold, you could put it back on the, on the black or covered fire and reheat on Shabbat, which most uh, Orthodox Jews today don't do. So when they came to Israel, one, one of the, the rabbis, Yemenite rabbis, who was trained in Israel, has already felt uncomfortable with, with this practice, wrote a letter. I don't remember if it was Rabbi Sinwani or Marich Sal. I don't know who was in Israel. No, no, no. One of, the, one of either the Maharits or... Uh, uh, so he, he wrote him a letter. He says, it's a problem. We have to educate them that this is not the right thing to do. And he answers, mm-hmm. He says, it's, everything has a balance. You think that they're lenient in allowing themselves to heat water on Shabbat, but they are strict on the, the need to enjoy Shabbat. So, of course, as long as there is a, there's room in halakha to do that, you should 
push for doing that. But even that. the Ashkenazim will reheat as long as you're doing it for a young child or mm-hmm. an elder person. Mm-hmm. And, and at this, our age, for already old. Right, right. And in general, there's a, there's a huge mis- misconception regarding reheating on Shabbat, because the original halakha referred to, a cu- to an open fire. If you have a blech or if you have a, a stove that the, uh, the knobs are covered with the aluminum foil or anything like that or something on a timer, you could put anything back on the blech. Anything that was cooked before Shabbat, even if it's completely cold, there's no problem. Yeah, David White. I'm using the word blech plata shel Shabbat. Yeah. I know it sounds like, it sounds like blech. Blech is a, is a plata shel Shabbat. Either connected... Either electric or if you took if you take just a uh, a metal sheet and you put it on top of the of the gas, which I'm I'm not in favor of leaving the gas you know running uh, all night. The best thing is to use a timer. Now we do the electric uh, palata with timer. So anyway, a few years back, my father was in the hospital and it was on Sukkot. The Rabbi Reichik's boys, two of them, which is a beautiful thing, came to with a lulav and they told to to the hospital, uh-huh. but. It was pouring, mm-hmm. and they were walking, the two boys. Uh-huh. And I drove, and I drove right by them, and I kept driving, and I went to the hospital. Maybe splashing. half an hour later. No, I didn't splash them. <laughs> half hour later, they get there. They are, I mean... Soaking. Dry. I mean, they're dripping water. Dread. So I asked, why didn't you use an umbrella? Oh, no, we can't. Oh, that's What's the reason? Yeah. No umbrella. Okay. Yeah, it's some, no, no, but he's right. No, this I'm is, curious this about is, the question. He's Why right. Umbrella? He's, he's right. This is about, again, Humrah. No, no, but it's about Humrah and Kula. Yeah. That when the umbrella, we spoke about that and I wrote about it, but in, briefly, when the umbrella became popular in Europe in the 1700s, people didn't know how to deal with it. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Because everything looks, you know, it's a, for them it was a huge technological uh, uh, revolution. improvement, revolution, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a new contraption. So some people carried on Shabbat, some didn't. The rabbis were, were arguing, yes, no, yes, no. Uh, one of the leading rabbis in, in Europe at the time, the Hatam Sofer, in the late 1700s, uh, ruled that, there's no, that it's okay on Shabbat. But the knee-jerk, what I call knee-jerk reaction, like instinctive, intuitive, ah, I don't feel comfortable with doing a Shabbat, took over. Even though he had the rule of... Even though he said it's okay, I, I found out like many, many poskim are in favor. Rav Meshash also says, Rav Meshash says, if it's raining, you need to go to the synagogue, you use an umbrella. Today, today, if you carry an umbrella from most Orthodox communities, they already mark you as non-observant. So we're working on, but don't worry, we're working on, here's, here's a classic example of Humrah de Kula. Meaning, you think when you don't use an umbrella, you're strict on keeping Shabbat, but you're lenient in allowing yourself to suffer again, or not allowing yourself to maybe not go even to the synagogue. So we are working I, with a couple of friends on developing a Shabbat umbrella. There is, uh, there is uh, many. Uh, I told you there is the idea of Voda Adam. Voda Adam. Okay. One hundred percent. And and. His example, where is Kvodah Right, Kvodah You have to be, you have to come to, to, to the synagogue in a, in a presentable way. You come drenched uh, and, you know, it takes you longer. And not only that, <coughs> when you think about, you know, wearing a coat in, in cold countries, cold climate, it's okay, you could do that. But when, you know, New Jersey in the summer, 
when it's pouring rain and you have to walk even 10 minutes to the synagogue, you take the lightest coat, uh, what they call the, the shainer coat, meaning that it's like, just like a, a poncho, it doesn't breathe, you come to the, you really feel very uncomfortable when you come to the synagogue. So like I said, we're working on Shabbat umbrella, the design, I mean, they already, we already have the technology, it's basically the same umbrella that everybody uses, we're only just going to print around it, Shabbat umbrella. And that everybody. It depends. If you live in the more, if you live in the more orthodox, uh, wait, wait. I want, if you live in the more orthodox community, like Borough Park, on one side it would say Shabbat umbrella, on the other one it would say put down the stone, please. So that's it. Yeah. Raised that idea of Koda Adam. Yeah. And the rabbi there, after putting a lot, a lot, a lot of the road, said that it is, in, in extreme circumstances, would be okay yeah. to, to take an umbrella of Jabbat. Yeah. Okay? So you the, know the, the, right. You know the so here, here is an important, is an important uh, uh, rule. If you say that under extreme circumstances you could do it, he's not talking about Pikuah Nefesh. Right? He's not talking about someone's life is in danger. He's saying like, you need to go visit someone in the hospital, you're really far. That means that technically it's okay. So instead of saying, oh, we only use it in extreme circumstances, the rabbis should come out and say, this is 100% allowed, permissible. If you want to choose not to do it, you're entitled to do so. So the same thing, you know, we go, let's go to Pesach for a second. Mechirat Hametz. When you when you talk about selling the hametz, there uh, there there's a wide gamut of what people do with mechirat hametz. Some people say that in order to do mechirat hametz, selling your hametz in the official and uh, binding way, you have to write a legal document, give the the nanju who buys the hametz from you, give him the key and the access code, whatever is necessary for your, uh, the location where the hametz is. And if you didn't do it, it's, not, it's invalid because technically it has to be that the, you pass the authority of the possession of your hametz to the goy, he buys it, it's his, and he can come and take it and use it. He just has to pay, pay you for it. It gives you a down payment before Pesach, and he has time until after Pesach to, to, to pay the rest. And if it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Has it ever happened in history? That a goy actually went and took yes. the hametz. Yes, it happened in Europe. It happened in Europe. Yeah, it happened several times in Europe when Jews. No, it, yeah, it happened in Europe. Jews. Uh, one of the main businesses of Jews in Russia and uh, Eastern Europe was uh, the uh, breweries, beer breweries that they would uh, they would lease from the local princes. So it happened that the, someone sold his uh, brewery. And the, the non-Jews came in on Pesach and drank everything. And then they said after Pesach, we'll pay you by what we feel is correct. So it did happen. What? We do carry umbrella which one of the 39... Oh, well, it's, it's not, nothing. Nothing. Wait, wait, I don't get the umbrella. One second. What? No, I wasn't. Uh, I won't get back to Michal Hamid. So some people say, like, you need like this legal form. Some people say that uh, the way you do it through the representative, the rabbi, is fine because technically the, the non-Jew could reach to you. Let's say he wants it, so he would reach to the rabbi, say, I want hametz of this person, right? Uh, 
and then you will make it available to him. And uh, then some people say you only sell things that could officially be sold. So if you have a bottle of scotch, you could sell it. Half a bottle of scotch, you can't sell it. Unless you live in a, maybe in a, a minor, minor towns in, in England. I know some places. Or, you know, you could sell some things on eBay. So that's why I wrote an article on that. And I said, how do you sell half a cookie? Right? If you have open packages and cereals, you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes, so people say, let's finish them before Pesach. Only sell legit items. Okay. So, and then there are people, and actually, interestingly enough, Lubavitch, I know I have a lot of Lubavitch friends, who want to, people to believe, to realize that it's 100% kosher to sale. So they deliberately leave freezers packed with hamets before Pesach to sell them and to use right after Pesach, right? So you have the whole spectrum. Those who wouldn't sell anything, meaning they try not to rely on the Bechira, and those who would sell everything. Where, where does it come from? And then you go back all the way back to the, to the original sources in the Mishnah, it's not mentioned. As a as a as a uh, preventive measure, it's also me- it's only mentioned as a last resort, uh, and in in medieval times, because people couldn't get rid of the hametz, only happened in around the 1500s in Europe because people had businesses like breweries and other things, they couldn't get rid of the hametz before Pesa. so then they found that loophole of the mechira of selling the hametz. Fine, but the point is, like I said before, if the law allows it under dire circumstances, it means that technically, when we talk about between us and God, not between humans, between us and God, so technically it's okay. We're just trying to avoid it. So what is the source for selling hametz in, the, in our uh, traditional sources? So the Tosefta, which is the, those Mishnayot that didn't make it into the Mishnah, speaks about a case of several rabbis who were traveling by ship, and before Pesach, one of the rabbis realized that he has hametz at home. And now he is in possession of hametz. What is he going to do? So he sold it to a friend on the ship who was not Jewish. So that's the source for the, uh, the permission that you, you could sell hametz. The point is, though, that non-Jew did not have access to the hametz, right, on Pesach. Uh, or they were actually that the hametz was Imobas Fina, he had it on the ship. He couldn't get rid of it because then he wouldn't have what he ate after Pesach, right? But the point is, you, you, if you do it in extreme situations, that means that, uh, that technically it's okay. So where, where does it come from? The, here's the discussion. The, the, the Talmud asks the following question, not about selling the Hamid. It asks the question about Bitur Hamid. It's, it, it doesn't make sense either, right? Before Pesach, you say, All the hametz that is in my possession, whether I've seen it or not, should be nullified and be considered like the dust of the earth. So now you have a, a, a cake hidden like in, in a hole in the wall, right? And you didn't see it. And you find on Pesach, Oh, I have hametz. No, you don't have hametz. It's dust. How can you turn by a statement, real food into dust. And if, then there's a whole discussion in the Talmud, they say, no, this is called uh, disowning your, your uh, possessions, called hefker, and they attack it by saying, for that you need a bedin, you need a court, and you need to do it in a certain way. 
The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, explains it very well. He says this, uh, based on what the Gemara says, that Hametz doesn't really belong to you. Since you're not allowed to eat it on Pesach, it doesn't belong to you. That's what the Torah says, you cannot eat it. But the Torah made it yours, so you'll be punish- punishable for it. Okay, that's, that's uh, like a full cycle. <clears throat> Technically, you cannot eat it, so it's not yours. But, in or- but for legal, uh, for a penalty, it is yours. It is yours. So it says, as long as you did something to show that you don't want it, you, you, uh, it's a proclamation that you go back to the original status of the Torah, that the hametz is not yours. So all you need is really uh, a, an act that reveals your intention that you're not going to eat the hametz. So by doing all, all protective measures, you clean the house, you put the hametz in a separate place, you did bitul hametz, and then you sold your, uh, your possessions, even if it's only a symbolic act that goes through the, the representative to the rabbis, it is still valid to, uh, to lift this prohibition of uh, owning of Hametz on Pesach. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.